At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Super Bowl champion Sean King on VSIN, the sports betting network. Hour two of the nightcap here on VSIN alongside former Super Bowl champion Sean King. I am Tim Murray. Penguins and Rangers still battling it out in double overtime. 3-3, 11 and change to go in double OT. Halftime in Memphis as the Grizzlies have a five-point lead over the Warriors, 56-51. Once again, Sean King, Tim Murray, and the Kentucky Derby coming up this week. We've got great insight and coverage for you here at VEASAN, and we're going to have it for you here on the Nightcap as well all week long our next guest ed DeRosa from horse racing nation you could follow ed on twitter at ejxd2 so sean take it away i am ed. so fired up tim because saturday may the 7th is the 148th renewal of the greatest two minutes in sports and it's just one of those events where people that don't know anything about horse racing, they pick a number or they pick a name that they like or they might like know like some of the owners and everybody's not generally just watching but are also trying to wager in the hopes of hitting it big. And that's why we have an expert in Ed DeRosa on. So welcome to the Nightcap. Ed, how are you? I'm doing well. Just a uh, Porter Nightcap myself. I'm looking forward to <laughs> chanting with you guys for a, once. A like-minded man like myself. When the show's over tonight, I will have a fine cigar and a nightcap as well. So here's what's interesting for me, and this is, these are the years that I really love the Derby, when there's not a consensus, clear-cut favorite. It's not like Justify or American Pharaoh, where somebody's really going to have to run out of their mind to win. There's so many different opinions about who the best horse is, who the morning line favorite should have been. So as we sit a couple of days out, Ed, talk me through where you're at currently. Uh, well, I definitely agree with the morning line maker that the two most likely winners and the horses who will take the most money and currently are in the Vegas books are Bluegrass Stakes winner Zandon and Louisiana Derby winner epicenter and they are three to one and seven to two respectively on the line i wouldn't be shocked to see them flip-flopped i wouldn't be surprised to see them co-favored these are absolutely the two horses that have stood out and i think many would view as the most likely winners and probably eager to bet 
They're a little short for me, though. Basically, if you, you say a horse is three to one, you think they'll win this race 25% of the time. That feels a little light to me in terms of a, a square price. So I'm hunting bigger game in this year's Derby, but those are unquestionably the two horses to beat. Now, a lot is made about the post position draw and where certain horses end up. And one of the horses that you mentioned, Epicenter, who's extremely accomplished, has done nothing wrong as a three-year-old, has gradually gotten better, has shown he can win on the lead or slightly off, but he drew the three-hole. Has that impacted also what you're going to do with him on Saturday? Uh, I would say it hasn't really impacted what I do only because I was in an enviable situation that I was looking to maybe beat him in the win spot anyway at a short price. I will say of all the posts, though, I, I, he probably took the worst of it. Uh, you'll hear a lot about the rail and Mo Donegal, but Mo Donegal's style is to drop back anyway, so I don't think the rail hinders him as much in that regard, whereas from post three, which is still pretty inside, uh, just two horses to his inside and another 17 to his outside. Uh, he's going to have some decisions to make, or at least his jockey, Joel Rosario, will. So I don't love the three form. And if you're like me and already had some questions about taking a short price, that probably swayed you into a direction to look elsewhere. You know, it's interesting because I've heard a lot of people say Mo Donegal was going to be the key for all of my tickets come <laughs> Derby Day. And then he drew the one. Now, granted, looking at Lee Rand's second a couple years back, that hadn't been a great hole before a closer like Mo Donegal. If you came into the Derby thinking that that was your horse, would you let that post position push you away from him? I wouldn't because he's going to be 12 to 1. So whereas a horse like Epicenter and Zandon, we're talking about 3, 4 to 1 maybe, Mo Donegal is going to be triple the price. And I think you're getting the right price if you're a believer. I wouldn't let the rail scare you away. Uh, he's middle of the road for me. I definitely wouldn't talk anyone off him. Uh, he's not the horse by any means I like the most. But if you were on him already at 10 or 12 to 1, don't let the rail discourage you at that price. Now, if you go by the numbers, the fastest horse in the field is from the West Coast, Tabor. However, he's only had two starts. This will be his third start. I think it's been over a century since a horse – and going into their third start, has won the Derby. But he has a Hall of Fame jockey on him in Mike Smith. What odds or chances do you give Taba of winning this edition of the Run for the Roses? I would say of the five horses that figure to take the most money, he's the one I like least. Uh, the, the two starts definitely concerns me. And what horses do between starts is called workouts. Uh, typically, it's one a week. And he's only had one workout since the Santa Anita Derby four weeks ago. The norm is definitely two, including many horses trained by his former trainer, Bob Baffer, who has gone the Santa Anita Derby route to Kentucky many times. That's a big red flag for me with the light seasoning. Uh, he's a horse I am leaving off my tickets. Now I'm very familiar with Bob Baffer, and he works his horses. Like he really prepares them in the mornings to be able to endure mentally and physically whatever they encounter in a race. Has Messier been on the same work tab as Tabor? Is this something that Tim Yakteen has done because that's how he does it, or is it just Tabor who's been on the, the limited work tab? Yeah, it's definitely exclusive to Tabor, and this is a horse who didn't start his career until March of his three-year-old year, which is atypical as well. So there's probably some issues, and you know, being the good horsemen that are around him has made sure that Tava is only out there when he's sound and ready to run. But when it comes to the Kentucky Derby, you really don't have any margin for error. 
So that's a negative that he's missed some works. Messier, on the other hand, has not. And he has gotten the, you know, what I would call the Bob Baffert treatment, even though he's in the barn of Tim Yakteen currently. Uh, but when you're in, in Bob's program, it's like the combine. Uh, you go through your paces and you're ready to run, as you noted. And Messier fits that bill. Uh, and he's going to probably be eight to one. And I actually think he's a fair price. So he's he's a horse I wouldn't. Uh, he's a horse I definitely like better than Mo Donegal. I think he's as good as the other two we've talked about in terms of most likely winners. But at eight to one, he's a better price than three or four to one, and he's very playable. So when I mentioned Tabor, and we have uh, Ed DeRosa from Horse Racing Nation, you guys can follow him at EJXD2 on Twitter, and you guys can follow Horse Racing Nation. They do a great job. You said four of the likely winners outside of Tabor. You would have him fifth. Who are those four horses? Uh, so I have I have Zandon and Epicenter. I agree with the betting public that they're most likely. I just don't agree, agree as much, so they're underlays to me. Then you have Messier. Uh, Mo Donegal, and then Taba is the fifth. I figure he'll take money. And of those five, I definitely like Taba least. So what do you think of Charge It? Uh, Todd Pletcher, horse, Todd's won the Derby multiple times. Looked a little green in the Florida Derby, but again, he's a horse with not a lot of seasoning. A lot of people thought that was an educational stretch run for him. What chances do you give Todd Pletcher's Charge It? Yeah, I would say the seasoning, similar to Taba, a bit of a concern. Now he has run... Uh, uh, one more time than Tava, and he hasn't missed any workouts, so that's definitely a, a positive in that direction, at least. But some may remember all the ballyhoo of the Apollo curse, which justified broke in 2018. Uh, that was that no horse had won the Derby since Apollo in 1885, something like that, 1882, without racing as a two-year-old. Charger did not race at two, neither did Tava or Zozo's two other horses in the field. Justify broke the curse, but I'm still a believer that it matters and charge it isn't for me in this spot, although I would expect to hear from them in bigger races down the road. Now, a lot of people are making a lot to do about the fact that Japanese horses, ever since the Breeders' Cup last year, have kind of been coming out of nowhere and winning these big races, won the Dubai Cup, won a couple <laughs> Breeders' Cup races. What chances do you give Crown Pride, the winner of the UAE Derby? Uh, I'm against this horse and it has nothing to do with being from Japan or not. And certainly I understand why people are excited about their international presence. I'm just sour on the UAE Derby is the prep race for the Kentucky Derby. It's really hard to race in Dubai and then six weeks later ship to the States and then run in our most prestigious race. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare on a quarter 
against 19 other horses in front of 150,000 people. It's a really tall order for even the best horses, and I'm not sure Crown Pride uh, would be considered among the best horses anyway. So too much too soon for him, but I applaud the Japanese coming over here with a horse like this. It makes the race so much more fun to get that international participation. But until these horses train here, uh, I think they're going to be up against it coming from Dubai. Now, Ed, as I've told my co-host Tim Murray, I don't actually bet until maybe 30, 45 minutes before the race because so much can change in a day in horse racing. But right now, I love White Abario. Probably the only thing I'm unsure of, Safi Joseph, Tyler Gaffleon, neither have ever won a (laughs) derby. What chances do you give White Abario? Uh, I think he's fairly priced in the 12 to 15 to 1 range. Uh, It's interesting with him because if, Todd Pletcher came with the horse with his resume. We'd probably be talking about the favorite. So if you're willing to say, hey, Safi's won some training titles, he's just as good as anyone else or at least good enough, uh, you're getting a great price on a horse with a great resume. I'm a little concerned about um, the the trip he's going to get from the 15 hole might be a little wide. There's a lot of pace he's going to have to chase. And there's some good horses who are going to be looking to gun him down in the stretch. So the dynamics of the race, I'm not sure work to his advantage. But at 12 or 15 to 1, given what he's accomplished to date, you could do a lot worse for All sure. All right, in about 10 seconds before I let you go, Ed, there's also the Oaks Derby Double. Give me one horse in the Kentucky Oaks on Friday. I love Kathleen O in the Oaks, and my top pick in the Derby is 30-1 to 1 on the morning line. Tis the Bomb is who I'm betting to win the Kentucky. All right, race. hopefully he takes to the dirt. Tis the Bomb. Been That's great the on the synthetic bread for the grass. Thank you, Ed DeRosa. My- this is the Nightcap on VSN, the sports betting network. It is the nightcap here on VEASAN. Great stuff from Ed DeRosa from Horse Racing Nation. We'll recap some of his thoughts here in just a little bit. That's Sean King. I'm Tim Murray. But right now, we are witnessing a epic happening in game one of the first round of the playoffs between the Rangers and the Penguins. Three to three as we speak. The backup goalie is now in for Pittsburgh uh, due to an injury. And a gentleman who is keeping a very close eye on this uh, game. And as I believe... As we speak at the SNY studios in New York City, the host of the New York, New York podcast on the Ringer Network, it is John Yastrzemski. Uh, John, appreciate it, man. This has been, and we were we were bringing you on to talk some Jets and some Giants, maybe the little Yankees, and sure enough, the Rangers in game one are playing an absolute classic at the Garden. Fellas, you ain't kidding. And listen, I'm not going to pretend that I'm dialed into a ton of regular season hockey, but when the playoffs roll around, there's just something about it. And it was goals galore in the first two periods of this game. And, you know, now it's this never-ending war of attrition, backup goalie in. It feels like every chance is going to be the last. And, you know, full disclosure, guys, I don't know if I should tell the people in the newsroom, I got a Penguins ticket on this game tonight. <laughs> so, uh, not exactly doing my good New York, New York diligence, but hey, we root the color green in this case, man. When you don't got a hockey team, you root the color green. Well, as we say on this show, we're always pulling for our pockets. That's right, we're pulling for our pockets. I took the over, so I'm just waiting on it to end so I can cash. There you go. We got. Uh, oh, you win either way. There you go, Big Sean. I like that. <laughs> 
Sean, and, Sean and I are uh, pulling for uh, Calgary to take care of business. Yeah, we need uh, them on the puck line. So, uh, one. We are we're, we're 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 in it here. But let's uh, let's get back to what happened this weekend. And you know, it's funny. I did a radio hit in Denver leading into the draft. Like, what do you think about the New York teams? I'm like, I don't think they can mess this thing up. I mean, I just feel like the situation with the talent there that it should be a really positive draft for both teams. Let's start with the Jets because they're the ones getting the most uh, buzz, John. And you look at Sauce Gardner going four. Then they go around and they get the guy that they like in Garrett Wilson. Uh, they trade back in. They get Jermaine Johnson, someone Sean absolutely adores coming off the edge. And then they trade up a little bit to get Brees Hall. So just looking at those first four selections, uh, what's the feel in New York? What's your analysis? And I know you're a Dolphins guy, so – did this draft make you a little uneasy that the J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets have some life? Well, I expected them to have some life. I mean, when you got two picks within the top 10, you better have some buzz with your football team. I would have preferred Kayvon Thibodeau over Sauce Gardner, but I understand why they went with Sauce Gardner. They went with Sauce Gardner because Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle are in this division. Stephon Diggs is in this division. And you need somebody that can lock down one side of the field. He was tremendous at Cincinnati. They go with Wilson, they get their young wide receiver. You help Zach Wilson out, which is obviously a big deal. Um, but to get Johnson, to me, that was the, the, the game changer of this draft, to go back into the first round and address a position that has been such a need for the New York Jets. I mean, Sean probably remembers getting chased down by John Abraham. That's the, that's the last legitimate pass rusher the New York Jets have had. So that, to me, changed the entire field of their draft. They're a better team. The, the problem is the AFC is loaded and the AFC East is loaded. That's, that's the biggest issue that the Jets are dealing with right now. They need Zach Wilson to be really good. That's, that's the key for them. He has to take a major step from year one to year two. Well, in my opinion, John, two years from now, Sauce Gardner will be probably the best defensive player out of this draft, and Jermaine Johnson will be a better the, uh, NFL player than Kayvon Thibodeau. So I think the Jets, Ooh, even if it was okay. not intended, hit it out of the park Having said that, and they also get Carl Lawson back, who missed last year due to injury. So the defense is looking healthier. Having said that, still going to revolve around one person. What have you been hearing about Zach Wilson in the offseason he's had, and is he ready to take the next step? Well, listen, he's putting the work in. He's spending a ton of time with his wide receivers, which you like. They've surrounded him with a ton of talent compared to what they had a year ago. I mean, going and getting Garrett Wilson bringing Braxton Berrios back, who we had a good rapport and a good chemistry with. Full year of Elijah Moore, who I love, I adore. I think he's fantastic. You got to see it, though. Sean, what we notice now, and you know this, you guys know this, you don't get four, five, six years to turn yourself into a top-notch quarterback. You better start showing those signs within the second year, and you're at max getting three years. If you don't figure it out by the third year, you're probably playing somewhere else. <laughs> He's got the arm talent. He's got the mobility. Does he have the right mental makeup? Does he have the, the right mentality, the cerebral nature that you need in order to put a position? That's my question with Wilson. It's not about the talent. It's about which between the ears. We're talking once again to John Yastrzemski. Uh, check out the podcast on The Ringer Network. It is New York, New York, talking all things New York sports. We'll, we'll, we'll slip in a little Yankees for John. We'll make them happy. Yeah, they're pretty good right they're now. They're pretty good. Yeah, yeah. They're as, of as are the Mets, uh, too. Oh, baby. Oh, Mets baby. are good, too, though. Yeah. Got some good baseball teams going on right now, but you mentioned the AFC East is loaded. The AFC is loaded. Can't say the same about the NFC East. And you can make an argument because it, it feels like just pick a name out of the hat who's going to win the NFC East. So 
Pick five, they go Evan Neal, the Giants do. Pick, or sorry, they go Thibodeau, and then they go pick seven uh, with Evan Neal, the versatility with Evan Neal. He's a plug-and-play right tackle with Andrew Thomas playing a little bit better. Question marks at the quarterback position as well. A little bit of a reach, in my opinion, with uh, Wandell Robinson. We'll see how that plays out. But a gettable division, I think, in a lot of people's eyes. Uh, what did you make of the first two selections of the Giants, and, and how are you feeling about the prospects of Brian Dayball's first season there in New York? Well, it's nice, Tim. They finally seem to have a competent general manager <laughs> and a competent head coach. Uh, they did not have that with Dave Gettleman over the last few years. He was as clueless as it gets. And look, to me, from a Giant perspective, when they've been at their best as a franchise, it's been about offensive line play and getting after the quarterback. Kayvon Thibodeau, and I know he's got his bravado and his swagger. I think New York is going to eat it up, quite frankly. Um, he's going to let you know that he's super, super talented. I know he didn't show up in those two Utah games, which is going to scare some people off. But I think he is going to be embraced by the New York Giant fan, dying for a pass rusher. And Evan Neal, perfect plug-and-play, right tackle. And now you hope, hey, Thomas, Neal, you bookends it tight at tackle now for the next you know, five or six years, you – See if Daniel Jones could do the job. And if he can't, you're probably picking at the top of the draft next year and you go and get a quarterback. I think the Giants are finally setting this up the right way and it's long overdue. And it's interesting because I think they got a, a great steal last year in the draft in Aziz Ojolari, who actually led the team in sacks. I know we heard that Kadarius Tony was on the trade market before the draft. Is that still the case? I felt like Wondell Robinson was kind of repetitive, you know, from a skill set standpoint. Where, where, where we stand with Kadarius Tony? You know, that's a really good question. Um, I think it will boil down to how Tony approaches training camp and the OTAs, and is he going to be a good soldier? Is he going to buy into what Brian Dable and Joe Shane are looking to do? Or is he going to be on an island by himself? I think that's what it comes down to, Sean. I don't think the Giants will tolerate Kadarius Tony freelancing and not being a team guy because they're not going to have any affiliation. Remember, they didn't make that pick. That was a Dave Gettleman, Joe Judge selection. So they're going to say, hey, guess what? This guy ain't buying in, shipping the hell out. So I think that's what you want to watch with Tony. I would like the Giants to keep Tony in a perfect world, but if he's not buying into their program, I totally understand why you would move on. Now, John, everything you said makes sense. Does that also hold true to the most important position? Because they did not draft Daniel Jones. If Daniel Jones doesn't show improvement early in the season, or if Tyrod Taylor just honestly beats him out, What's the quarterback situation look like? How long is the leash that Daniel Jones is on? My gut feel with Jones, he starts the year. They'll give him an opportunity to be the guy. If he's playing poorly, you'll see Tyrod Taylor. But they're thinking long-term, Sean. They're thinking about next year, much better quarterback, Rob, going and getting their guy. I think deep down, if you could put the Giants on the, like, a lie detector test, <laughs> that is their kind of long-term – they're, they're going to sell you the company line about Daniel Jones being the guy. It's all well and good. But they are thinking long-term, and they are thinking about the fact that come next year, they'll get somebody they like a lot more than Daniel Jones. That's my thought. As uh, as they head to triple overtime in the Big Apple. Do they ever go to a shootout or at least <laughs> no. three on three? Play it no, the whole no, way up. Play all night. And let me tell you something. There are a lot of unhappy faces right now. I mean, what happens if this goalie gets hurt? Because Jari was already out. Hey, put 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 pads on a on a regular player. I, I might be putting the pads on. Oh, you know. Yeah, they might be calling up JJ. Uh, all right, you got a minute. 
Loaded question. Who's the best baseball team in New York City? Ooh. It is a great question. I'm a Yankee guy. They're playing great. It's the Mets. It, it's Ooh. the Mets because of the way they're pitching, because of what Alonzo and Scherzer are doing, and the Buck Showalter impact. It's close. They're both really good, but it's the Mets. All right. He is John Yastrzemski. Check out the podcast, New York, New York. We know it's a great crazy stuff, night there in New York City, <laughs> JJ. We appreciate you jumping on, man. Boys, you got it anytime, man. Later, guys. Check out the podcast. Uh, there's a little bit to talk about. A lot. A lot. <laughs> just, a, just a little bit. And nothing to do about the Knicks or the Nets because they don't play basketball, you know, deep into the playoffs. Uh, we got triple overtime coming in New York City. The Rangers and Penguins tied at three. We would enjoy another goal from Calgary and Houston or uh, Colorado keeps giving us goals. They're up six. Wow. Can we nothing. borrow one? Yeah. Jeez. Hey, Colorado, can we borrow? Can we have a vowel, please? Uh, we'll get you updated on Memphis Golden State as well. It is the nightcap here on VC. This is the nightcap on VSIN, the sports betting network. Baseball predictions made brighter. Join the Born in a Ballpark Challenge presented by Blue Moon. Compete free for cash all season. Enter weekly prediction pools to fight for your share of $62,500 in total cash prizes. Head to DraftKings.com slash Blue Moon now. Join the action. Blue Moon made brighter. 21 and over only. Terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Drink responsibly man tonight is not disappointing at all with the game this is sensory overload goodness gracious memphis and golden state are now tied at 77 as steph curry misses a layup through some contact they're not calling fouls uh so this will be close to the final possession of the quarter third quarter 77 all golden state and memphis uh golden state has erased a six-point deficit uh, that they had at the break. I think they were down 70 to 61. So they've, you know, ended the uh, the quarter here on a, what is that, 19 to 6 run. And uh, yeah, we're going to go into the fourth quarter. Fourth quarter, tied at 77. Golden State and Memphis. Um, Golden State, of course, winning game one, Sean, by a bucket. This will be crushing for Memphis. And now, yeah, there's no doubt. Uh, young team. Um, and going on the road down 0-2 would be uh, would be pretty tricky to overcome. So that being said, Sean, uh, well let's uh, let's update the folks on the other games going on uh, around the Stanley Cup playoffs. So four games tonight. My CAPS 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 caps. The only game in the books <laughs> because Pittsburgh and New York, which started before Florida and Washington, started at seven o'clock Eastern. Sean is still going on. It is headed to the third overtime, tied at three. And you've cashed a ticket on this game. You I have. can't officially cash it Yeah, I took yet. over five and a half. So you're good. You've already won that bet. Caps won as an underdog of plus 215 or so, depending on when you got it. Biggest spread uh, as a dog since 2007. And the Caps won that game outright to take a 1-0 series lead over the Panthers. Our Calgary Flames, Sean. Yeah, they're disgusting me right now. Come on. If you had a time of possession, 
Like Dallas has had the ball for 65 minutes in a 40-minute game, and they've had it for zero. This is ridiculous. Like the whole second period has been played on the Calgary Flames side of the ice. So Calgary is still leading one to nothing. Uh, this one midway through the second period, and nine uh, eleven to go in that second period. Calgary and Dallas. Sean last night on the show gave out Calgary on the puck line. I paired Calgary with Colorado tonight on a money line parlay around minus one oh four five something like that. And Colorado leads six to one. Uh, after yeah, two periods, it's a lot to a little over there. So feeling okay there. Just need Calgary to to do their part and uh, finish mean, things this thing out. They can't score if they don't get any shots on goal. That, uh, that, that is, part that is a factual is confirmed. Statement. <laughs> that is fact. And I don't know why they're playing so conservative. I mean, it's not like Dallas is some kind of offensive juggernaut. Oh, we got a two on one here. Looks like maybe we can get a goal here. Oh my goodness, what was that? All right, so uh, the night so far, and. Uh, <laughs> I want to get back to Ed DeRosa here in just a moment. Let me decompress for a second. I'm listening to you. <laughs> uh, Boston Jeez. just hammered Milwaukee 109 to 86, covering the four and the under coming home. Shouts to Sean. I don't think you gave it out as official play, but what you said last night, I don't remember the exact score, but you said it was like, you were like, Boston's going to win 104 to 86 yeah. or so. So you like the under, you like Boston. Both of those come home with relative ease. Boston, impressive performance. And uh, winning to even up that series as that thing goes back to Milwaukee. I believe it's a Friday night game uh, in uh, in Milwaukee. I think it's a Friday Sunday situation there in Milwaukee. So we will uh, we'll catch that game on on Friday night. Um, actually, no, they don't play till Saturday. Wow, there are no games on Thursday in the NBA. That is bizarre. Is it a travel day? I guess. Yeah, because most teams is going to game three. You would think you could. But they're flying to a different city, most think of them. you could figure out a way to get one game in. So no games on Thursday. Uh, Wednesday night, we will have two more games. So tomorrow night, Miami, Philly, and Dallas, Phoenix. Uh, we will have that. So third quarter, or excuse me, fourth quarter now underway, Sean. And it is all tied up at 77 between the Warriors and the Grizzlies. Warriors pre-flop minus two in-game. Heading into this quarter, minus two. So if you've laid it two, it took a while. You could have got a better number, but it is a pre-flop minus two. Right now, knowing how vital this quarter is and this game is for Memphis, did you, would you trust Memphis Not to at figure all. it out? Not at all. Because, <laughs> see, unlike when they played Dallas, I mean, uh, Minnesota, who's got the basketball IQ of a toddler. You oh, know, they're those, playing, games, those games are rough. Yeah, they're playing like a championship-caliber team. They're going to make the right plays. You know, they're going to get open shots. You know, any Golden State supporter, if you said we'd start the four quarters, 0-0, they'd take it. Because what you were worried about after watching the Boston game was Minnesota. I mean, Memphis coming out with the energy from the crowd and, and you know, jumping out to a big lead. So that didn't happen, so. This game has been physical, though. Uh, Jordan Poole uh, just got hit uh, going up for a layup, so he's uh, so he, Calgary just scored, and I think they called the goal off. Oh my goodness, what is going on? And then put Dallas on the power play. Oh sweet, that's good. Oh my goodness, what else could go wrong? Come on, Coleman. Interference on Blake Coleman, and instead of two nothing Calgary, which would be great for us, so I can now. stop watching it and it's... actually co-host the nightcap. Jeez. <laughs> Got a multitask in the I'm night, I'm doing Cap, it Sean. slowly, slightly. <laughs> slowly, slightly. 
Uh, Jordan Poole is fine. He got a little, uh, little nicked up. He's there. really good, by the way. Uh, yeah, he's he's quite. He quite just went to the hole. He showed patience. He showed strength at the rim. He finished. Oh, and him and Jaron Jackson were were they high school teammates? High school teammates oh, at La Luminaire, and uh, I think it's in Indiana. Uh, Sounds like they got an NIL deal. Eighty-one to seventy-seven. That's yeah, one of those boarding schools. Yeah, not too many La Luminaire uh, <laughs> public schools. <laughs> yeah. Hey, coming from the guy who who coached at what IMG? Hey man, that's why I know. <laughs> Where they have what? Don't they have like a pool running through the middle of that campus or something? Yeah, like IMG's fourth team probably would win most state championships. <laughs> I have basketball. no doubt Seriously, in my mind. Like their basketball program. No doubt in my mind. It's crazy good. Uh, four point lead for Golden State over Memphis. Third period or third overtime period. Sixth period of the game about to get underway uh, in Pittsburgh as the backup goalie is in due to injury. Calgary trying to fight off this uh, this power play. So I want to get back to uh, Ed DeRosa mm-hmm. because we had a guest follow him right up right away. Yeah. Um, some of your takeaways. Ed DeRosa joined us talking Derby. Horse Racing Nation, some good stuff from him. His favorite uh, in the Oaks, he did that real quickly, was Kathleen O. Yes. Uh, that is on Friday. And uh, what did you think of some of his thoughts from the Derby? Did they mesh with you at all? Uh, Yeah, in, in certain ways. Like, Tis the Bomb, the horse that he likes on top, uh, is going to be a price. So if Tis the Bomb wins and he hits his ticket, I mean, he's liable to pick up, you know, six figures. But because Tis the Bomb's a very good horse. He's trained by Kenny McPeak. He's ridden by Brian Hernandez Jr. But he's got a grass pedigree, meaning his pedigree says he's a grass ho- horse. He, uh, I think he won the stakes race that was at Turfway Park, which is a synthetic. So I don't know. The, last, the only time he ran on dirt was down in Florida at Gulfstream in the Fountain of Youth, and he didn't run well. So I kind of threw him off of my ticket just because I don't think he's a dirt horse. Now, it has been raining at Churchill Downs. So by Saturday, if the track isn't listed as fast, I may add Tiz the Bomb to some of my tickets because sometimes when there's a lot of moisture in the track, maybe a grass horse likes it, you know, a little more. But uh, one of the things he said about Tiz the Bomb that I kind of – is one of the reasons I'm keeping him off my ticket is, you know, he hadn't had a lot of kickback in his face. And in a 20-horse field where there's going to be bumping and jostling, I just think – Horses that aren't comfortable, you know, being in close quarters, getting dirt in their face, they have to have speed. And, and I don't think Tiz the Bomb has the kind of speed to get to the lead in this race. So unless it's wet on Saturday, I probably won't be using him. But I'll say this. If Ed hits with Tiz the Bomb, Tiz the Bomb it's the nine horse in the yeah, Derby. I was say, what post? Nine, yeah, if he nine hits post? with that horse, I'm just telling you, it's going to be bags. <laughs> bags. Uh- by the way, we've got plenty of uh, of Kentucky Derby coverage on VEASAN, VEASAN.com slash Derby Guide. And let uh, me check it out. Let me give you something to root for. You guys go check that Derby Guide out. And we're going to have a uh, actually Derby special. Yeah. You're that, uh, I'll be hosting on uh, the, the network this week. The way that I'm going to structure the ticket, we don't want the three epicenter mm-hmm. or the 10 Zandon to run. We don't want those two to finish in the top four. I thought you liked Zandon. I do. In a try. I do. Okay. But I'm going to have other horses now in I'm third confused. place as well. Okay. So the way that you can construct a ticket, you can put as many horses as you want in all the, the uh, different spots. It just costs more. Right, sure. Right. So I'll have Epicenter and Zandon. I'm not stupid. I'm not going to throw, you know, th- those two horses out because they're really good horses. But I'm hoping that one epicenter gets used up and doesn't have anything left come time for the real running, and Zandon and Mo Donegal get caught in traffic. 
and can get home. That's what I'm hoping because that's where your tribe's gonna pay 30 grand or your superfector's gonna pay, you know, 150, you know, something crazy. It could be more than that. Uh, breaking news the Rangers and Penguins game is not over, <laughs> it's still going on. This is the Nightcap on VSIN, the sports betting network. The Kentucky Derby is Saturday, and right now, VEASAN is offering you a special $9.99 Kentucky Derby betting guide with previews of all the horses and jockeys for every race, plus best bets for the entire weekend, including the run for the roses. Pre-order your copy now for only $9.99 at VEASAN.com slash Derby Guide. slash Derby Guide. Once again, Sean King will be hosting, uh, co-hosting a, uh, a Kentucky Derby preview. That'll be uh, broadcast all throughout the week here on uh, on Veasan as well, and throughout the week, great guests uh, scheduled, lined up. We had Ed DeRosa on today. We will talk more and more about the Derby as the week goes on. We got to get Chris Andrews at Bed Three Six Five. We don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Vinny on, all those guys, big horse handicappers as well. So we'll have a lot. You all right? Yeah, I'm just, I'm really, really frustrated right now with Calgary. Like, I just don't know what they're doing. Like, their alignments on their power play, I mean, it's ridiculous. Like, their deflections in front of the net, no one's there. They're kicking the puck around on the rail. No one's there to, to receive it. Like, I don't what are they doing? one nothing Calgary leading Dallas. Still yeah, bums out of the game. In triple overtime. Get the other line in. <laughs> still in triple OT, uh, the Rangers and the Penguins. We haven't. Had the game on TV. I guess we could throw it on one of the other ones. Colorado leads six to one after two periods. They are absolutely dominating. I just want to quickly mention this before we get into the AFC East and, and recap the drafts a little bit. The Golden State Warriors, they trail now 86-83. Media timeout, 757 to go, Sean. Mm-hmm. As a team, the Golden State Warriors, a terrific three-point shooting team is five for 31 from three. And yet, they just had the lead taken away from them a moment ago as Dallas is racing down. This is ridiculous. So Golden State, I mean, you look at them right now, Sean. You think back to game one. They shot pretty well, uh, 14 of 38, but I mean, not great. And... Here tonight, they've been awful, and yet they're on the verge. I wouldn't say on the verge, but they are 
they're right there from taking both games. I mean, that would be just absolutely devastating. So to have Golden State shoot this poorly and to lose, I, I don't know how you come back from that. After Clay, Steph having uncharacteristically bad games yeah. in game one. Uh, Clay Draymond, had 15. Draymond getting kicked out. Right. You know, they missed some shots down the line. Clay missed two free throws, so it's of a three-point game. It's a one-point game. So, uh, I, I don't like the way Golden State's playing right now. I like their grit and their toughness they're showing, but they're not the efficient Golden State that I've seen win championships. And so, maybe they're playing themselves back into a good rhythm. Remember, they did not play together as a unit for the majority of the year because like of injuries. 11 minutes or something crazy like that. Um, so if they find a way to win this, it's lights out for Memphis. I think it's lights out anyway, but it'll be a short series if they find a way to win this one. All right, so over the week, we're going to take a look at some of the divisions. We'll go east, west, north, south in some order. Today, we're going to do the east. We'll do AFC and NFC. Uh, we've talked a lot about the Jets and what they've done, and we talked to John Yastrzemski about it. I want to look at Buffalo real quickly. So looking at their draft, they go with a 23rd pick, they go with Kair Elam. So they traded up to get the corner mm-hmm. out of Florida, 23rd overall pick. Then in the second round, because it was thought that maybe they're going to go Brees Hall. They need a, you know, every down back. Second round, they go James Cook, um, Dalvin's younger brother out of Georgia. Um, I really like the, the pickup of, of Khalil Shakir, the, uh, the wide receiver out of Boise State. Um, they ended up getting the, the punt god, Matt Ariza, out of San Diego <laughs> State in the sixth round. I like him. Uh, so uh, how much better did the Bills get, in your opinion, th- over the weekend? I mean, they're uh, still the favorites. Do you still? Who was their first-round selection? Elam, the corner out of Florida. So I like Kair. He's big, um, high football IQ. His uh, uncle Abe, NFL football player, actually went to Notre Dame. So uh, he has the pedigree, you know, to be a good player. He doesn't have great top-end speed. That would probably be my one concern. But, you know, Buffalo was a lead on defense last year. So, uh, By the way, Pittsburgh just beat the Rangers in triple overtime. The Pittsburgh Penguins. John to, is happy. Who had to go to their backup goalie uh, due to injury. They get it done in triple overtime, 4-3. to three. We're going to watch the game-winning goal here. Uh, a little deflection. What a deflection. Oh, deflection oh yeah, nothing Igor could do. That, that Malkin yeah, in front of the net. Yeah, that's a great play nothing by him. Nothing you could do about that. And the Pittsburgh Penguins, after, what is that, almost 100 minutes, over 100 minutes of hockey, they get it done, and they take game one over the New York Down Rangers. 2-0. Came back to win in triple overtime. Yeah, probably the next day. They may have to make some adjustments to this overtime in hockey. Nope. Yeah. Uh, this is the way it's got to be done. I can see five on it. five for the first uh, overtime. Go to three on three for nope. the second one. Nope. We keep true hockey. This is what makes this. It's what makes the hockey playoffs arguably the best playoffs in all the sports. Hmm. It's so great. And you know, if you in the regular season, you don't want to do that. You know, fake hockey shootout thing. Fine. I don't know why ties are such a bad thing, but whatever. Um, but the Penguins get it done, four to three. Yeah, shots out. Hats off to them. I mean, they've got the pedigree. I mean, they have the the names. It's is this their last run? They may be looking at it like this is our last time as this core group, you know, that's had so much success over the last decade. So, you know, it's hard to kill a champion. All right. So 
that was our, our quick thoughts on on the Bills. We'll get back to some you know futures here shortly. Let's go to New England. New England, uh, the head scratcher of all head scratchers. Round one, they go Cole Strange, center out of Chattanooga with the 29th overall pick. It Wait. felt like, it, and, and I know Bill Belichick would never say he did this, but to me it felt like they had their sights set on Linderbaum. All right, we're going to get the center. Overreaction. And then, oh, uh, we'll just take the other next center, Cole Strange. I agree. But I thought it was a good pick for them because they had to trade up and get him because somebody's going to take him in the fifth round. So you couldn't, you know, you couldn't let him get to the second because somebody will take him in the fifth. So <laughs> Cole Strange, get out of here, Bill. All right, so then they go another reach, so we think. Tyquan Thornton, wide receiver at a Baylor. So the Baylor kids round. are elite athletes, like all of them. Still kind of raw, I think, in some ways, but you're getting length and speed. The only thing I don't like about him is the body type. You know, show me the receiver that's kind of built like that. Now, maybe he can add weight. I've never met him in person. But he's going to have to put on some weight, you know, to really be like a three-down guy, you know, in that league. So, two kind of head-scratching stretches. Then they got a guy you really like, Marcus Jones mm -hmm. out of Houston. Immediate impact on teams. Is he a he's starter? He's got what you call juice. Is he a guy that can start? He's a starting returner day one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Now, so I, does he get on the field? I'd have to look at New England's actually uh, actual roster. I'm not actually 100% sure after free agency. Got Malcolm Butler, got Jalen Mills, Jonathan Jones as their corner. They might be the right nickel. Okay. Play him in the nickel. But you play a lot of DBs. So it was starting at DBs not as big a deal, you know, especially in today's game where teams are running four wide receiver sets and all these you know, exotic packages. You know, you can get DBs on the field, i.e. why Baltimore, who has – who just traded – I mean, who just uh, brought Marcus Williams in and gave him a boatload of money. Already had Chuck Clark drafted Kyle Hamilton early in the first round. Then they went Jack Jones, another corner out of Arizona State. Then they gra uh, grabbed uh, Pierre Strong out of South Dakota State. I like that. Speedster. Yeah. I, I, like that uh, I like that move, too. Kind of a change-up back for that backfield. Yeah. You know? 5'11". I think he ran like a 4.36 of the combine. Uh, so a guy that, you know, they always love to utilize those, those catching – you know, type of running backs coming out of the backfield. And then uh, another head scratcher. Oh, my God. As, uh, as the Warriors just banked in a three. Clay and Steph just they are, shot bricks. They are so off And tonight. Steph's went in. Man, Clay shot a brick from the corner. I mean, from the wing. So oh, my goodness. In Washington right now, Sean, people are talking about Sam Howell. Mm -hmm. was this, what does this mean for Carson Wentz? Mac Jones was just a first-round pick. They spent a fourth-round pick on Bailey Zappi. That makes sense. Why? Because they're kind of similar quarterbacks. But and you, you, and you can never, why in the fourth? Well, you can never have enough, and yes. you got to protect yourself due to injury. And you both have them under very controllable contracts. And if one of, if say Bailey lights it up in the preseason, now he becomes a trade piece. He will light it up. Yeah, I'm sure. Speak it into existence. I heard somebody calling the best 707 quarterback they've ever seen. And then we only have 30 seconds, and that should do justice because they only had four picks. The Dolphins, Channing Tindall in the third rounds. Yeah. Remember, they did. You could. I give the Dolphins Tyree an A Hill. because they did Tyreek Hill. Yeah, I give them an A. All right. Well, uh, and they also drafted Skylar Thompson. I didn't understand that one. <laughs>
I didn't think you. I didn't think he'd be because they got the quarterback from Navy already there, Keenan. Uh, Malcolm Perry. Malcolm Perry. Yeah. We'll do some NFC East discussion. Get you updated as well on Golden State and Memphis. Hour three. At Bed three six five, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.